Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Holy Week to all of you this Tuesday, April the 12th, as the light of Christ shines on us from Matthew chapter 27. We are right in the middle of the Passion account, and it is something that Really, every time I even just hear it, let alone study it or sing about it, it brings you to your knees because how can you not look at the cross and realize the great love our Lord has for us? And we see Jesus is delivered up to Pilate and we see politics at probably, well, probably it's worse, but God worked through it. Judas realizes his sin and the selfishness of the crowd to choose and release the sinful Bar- Barabbas instead of our sinless Lord. It all comes at you like a ton of bricks, but also we are reminded from Isaiah chapter 53, by these wounds, we are healed. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles. We look to the cross for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Today is a joy to have us uh, to have back our regular guest because you know what? Throughout the month of March, um, we had all new guests, which was a lot of fun. But also, um, the Bible study and uh, Thy Strong Word has had regular guests for years, and they have been a blessing to us. And for us, you know, we had a guy that was on usually twice a month, and he wasn't on at all throughout the month of March. So he is he is ready, he is juiced, ready to join us. Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here in KFUO, Pastor Lekomsky, a blessed Holy Week, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, and, and particular prayers to you, Brady, because, you know, I'm a retired guy, and I, I don't have anything to do this week. All I got to do is just go and sit in the pew, but you have got your work cut out for you. So thank you for taking the time this Tuesday. Continue to share the Word of God on, on the radio show as well, Brady. Thank you, John. Yeah, and and I'll I'll say this too. One uh one pastor told me this is probably beginning uh, probably my second or third year in the ministry and saying as I was looking at this week I'm very tired I'm wore out a lot to do and he said Brady remember the tomb is empty he does all the work you just preach it so get over yourself so that, I don't know I couldn't figure out if that was law or gospel or what that was but I remember that time okay, yeah. kind of a, well it, it, it's both which is how it's supposed to be isn't it you never should have law without gospel and gospel without law so I'm yeah, into that. Right. Uh, yeah, so and, we've we've missed you. We've missed you, John. So tell us what's going on for you oh, and your well, family. We've, 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 we've been having a lot of fun because uh, I was invited to be part of a round-robin uh, Lenten series, uh, people preaching on the different persons in the Passion of Christ. Uh, and so I've been to three, four different churches uh, preaching, uh, which has been fun for me, see new people, different locations. And of course, you know, they gave me Malchus, which of course, who wouldn't want Malchus, right? Everyone thinks of Malchus when you think of the Passion of Christ, don't you? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but, and it turned out actually to be great because, you know, that was my first reaction. We don't even know the guy's name, you know, until John writes his gospel. It's just the guy that got his ear cut off, you know. But it turns right. out, yeah, he's, a, he's in all four gospels, just like the people we got today, Barabbas and all. 
all four Gospels. Why? You know? Uh, so anyway, it turned out, yeah, that's a really important story. And, and uh, I was blessed to be able to share that story with people. And I'm excited to share the story now of Pontius Pilate and Barabbas and Judas and all these other uh, key characters in the uh, suffering and death of our Lord and Savior. Well, and it's a great time for us to just start digging in because this prepares us really for the rest of our week. So, Pastor, can you begin our time and ask the Lord's blessings on our study of God's Word and prayer? Oh, Lord, uh, boy, this is such an important week. So, so help us to uh, to open our hearts and minds to hear your Word, because this is the story. This is the story of how much you loved us. That for no greater love does a man have than he lay down his life for his friends. And, and, and this coming Sunday, it's also the story of where this was not for naught. It wasn't just something you said you were going to do, but you really did do it. You died for our sins and the sins of the world, and you rose from the dead to, to prove that to us and to show us what, what's going to happen for us. Uh, so uh, again, thank you for the great blessing of Holy Week, Lord. May your spirit work in our hearts, faith. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today from Matthew chapter 27, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Once again, I said we're in Matthew 27, and this is, I mean, this is just such a vital part. This is really everything. So when we get to 27, it's like if someone were to say, and I, you know, I've been highlighting this and would continue to highlight this throughout Holy Week in my own church and here on KFUO, that if someone were to ask you, what's the heart of Christianity, this is what you look at. As, as Pastor said, you know, you have this, the Passion account throughout, um, throughout all four Gospels, and you have certain people that are very vital. Well, this is what it all comes down to. This is the heart of what it means to be a Christian, looking to Christ, not ourselves, looking to the cross, not our works, looking to an empty tomb, not our victories, his victory over sin, death, and the grave. And so we focus our attention, and I encourage you, as we look at these words, for you to reflect, um, to uh, pray, and to remember that this was all done in love for you as Pastor prayed this morning. So we're going to begin. Uh, Matthew 27, we are going through 23 verses as we hear the Word of God. Brady, Brady, Brady can oh, I ask you just a, a preliminary yeah. preliminary question? Yeah. I'm just Please. interested in where your, your opinion is, because you've been doing Matthew for a while. That's correct. We have, absolutely. Uh, so, so there's actually two two different opinions about Matthew. Uh, one is is propagated by uh, uh, Professor Dr. Uh, Reverend Scare. Uh, do you know Dr. Scare from, from Fort Wayne? Uh, I know, I know of him. I've read his stuff, but okay. I know I've right. never had him in class. You ought, to, you ought to talk to him. I bet he'd come on and do a show for you. And, yeah. and, and he, he's, he's an interesting character, but, but his, his opinion is that Matthew is a Jew and that he's writing to the Jews. And, and I bring mm -hmm. it up because one of the things he says is Matthew loves to quote the old Testament he, over and over. This was to fulfill so-and-so. And, and we have an example of that in the text that we're doing today. So that's why I bring it up. Points out obviously that then when Matthew gives the genealogy, right? Starts with right. the genealogy. It goes all the way back to Abraham, right? Cause that's, and, and so that's his opinion. That, that he's writing to Jews. And we're going to see some very distinctive Jewish things in what we have today, and, ah. and you will. Now, on the other end, my, my dear pastor, Pastor Lyle Bittner, who's just the finest fellow as well, uh, um, 
he thinks that Matthew is writing to the Gentiles. And and we'll see evidence of that in these verses too, because the Gentiles actually come off looking pretty good <laughs> in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew. Well, of course, they're the guys that show up to worship Jesus, right? The three Gentile wise men. Uh, at the end of the story, you're going to do, it's a Gentile who says, truly, this must have been the Son of God. And of course, only Matthew is the one who gives us the explicit commandment that we should make disciples of Gentiles. Who would have thought of that, Brady? <laughs> right? Do wow. it, really? So, so wow. I, do you have an opinion? Do you think Matthew is writing for his own people, or do you think he's writing for the Gentiles? And you know what? I, the my opinion really does not matter in this situation. I'll say this: that I've read Doctor Scare's stuff on on that, and yeah. specifically, I've always just kind of filtered everything through that. That he's writing to Jewish Christians because um, he continually quotes. The Old Testament um, more than any other gospel. He quotes it. He's always proving it. At the same time, you put the Magi into this whole thing. Oh, well, maybe he is writing to the Gentiles. <laughs> um, but but the, the what I what I like the most is probably the guy who started us all off in Matthew. Is his main focus was that Christ's kingdom has come. Um, Christ's kingdom is here, and Christ's kingdom is coming. So the kingdom motif is what Doctor Gibbs continually brought up. So. I have that filter as well. So I don't know. I think all three have, have merit, as you said. Well, and, and see, uh, the politician that I am, I'd say, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, well, seriously, don't you? Thanks be he, to God. How could he not yeah. be writing for his own people? And that's why right. the scripture is always there, because he said, look, 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 this is what the Bible said was going to happen. Come on, you can't yeah. ignore this stuff like like you no. did in the past. And yet at the same time, of course, I think he's also, he knows Gentiles are reading this. And isn't that amazing? It isn't just for the Jewish people. Don't ever listen to that. No, it is for all people. You're right. Christ right. dies for all. Right. Well, anyway, I just thought I'd ask you that, because I, I was a scare follower. You know, I had him as a professor. And, and then that old... Pastor Bittner, he just messed everything up. <laughs> oh my gosh! And and it's funny because you said that that is this for the Gentiles? Yes. Is it for the the Jews? Yes. yes. Is it for us? Yes. yes. And this is the crazy thing. Who would have thought maybe the Holy Spirit was the ultimate author of the whole thing? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Now I'm going to read. Hey, no, no, the no. Bible. I'm sorry. I got to say one more thing. See, you hit it. Oh, on. No, no. You I, you hit it on the head. It's for us. Thank you, Brady. That's us. the whole point. There it is. It's for us. Everybody, listen right now. This is for you. All right, good. So now the big question is, can I read the Bible now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so Matthew 27, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version, verse 1. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to, the Pi to Pilate, the governor. Then when Jesus, uh, excuse me, Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is, that? what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it's blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what has been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver and price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them to the potter's field as the Lord directed them. 
Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. The Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast of the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want to release you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask Barabbas and destroy him. The governor again said to them, Which one of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. This is the word of our Lord today. So, Pastor, like you said, there's a lot going on here. How are we going to fit this all in? I'm not sure. But once again, it points us for you and also points us to the cross. Pastor, how do you want to start us off? Well, I guess let's, let's just go through it. Let's go through it. Do you want to talk about the chief characters in the thing as they, they, they appear here verse by verse? All right, let's do it. Let's do verses one and two, and then uh, we'll just we'll just get back okay. to it. You know, when, when the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Sets us all up. What's happening? Well, I, I, and you're going to hear chief priests and elders over and over again. They're, they're for Matthew anyway. They're they're the villains of the story. They're they're the ones that are are in charge of making all this thing happen with Jesus uh, Christ. And, and again, if it's true that this is being written to the Gentiles, you can see that, that the Gentiles, as I said, in a moment, Pilate, Pilate's wife, they're, they, they, no, nah, we don't really want to pursue this. We we would back off this, but it's the, the chief priests and the elders that are continuing to, to oppress this. Uh, and in fact, in the next few verses, they really, we just really see how how sinful they are. Uh, but we see it here too, that this whole phrase in the Greek, take counsel, uh, leaves you with the impression mm-hmm that they have to figure out something in order to get Jesus crucified. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They realize we don't really, we don't like him, but there's nothing we have against him that's going to get him crucified. So how are we going to do this? You know, what are the charges we're going to come up with to get him? How are we going to influence Pilate, the governor and everything? Um, so anyway, he's just basically setting up the situation, uh, why Jesus is being taken to the governor, of course, because Pilate's the only one that can actually crucify somebody. The the Jewish people don't have the authority to do that by the Romans. Um, so, uh, but then it comes the next story. The, the story of Judas, I think, is really, really uh, an important story for us. And I think an often misunderstood story mm. as well. So anything else right. you've got on those first verses? Yeah. Or? Well, those first few verses too. And now, I'm, now my mind's running a little bit yep. with 
this, first of all, he lays it out that, yeah, the chief priests, the elders, um, they are not coming out of this looking good. No, no, <laughs> So no. it's kind of like, well, maybe it was to, it was to um, Gentile people for that, for that reason. Um, but this was, I mean, if there's ever a time where we question whether or not there was very intentional reality of going after Jesus, it's over and over again in the Passion account that they just cannot help themselves but try to take him down. And they don't even know why they're doing it anymore. They just yell louder, crucify him, crucify him. Why? Crucify him, crucify him. There's no reason. They just continually go back after him. And there is a text, and I don't know if it's here elsewhere, because see, that's it. I'm all confused because I've been doing Malchus and Matthew, and I've been preaching. Uh, But there is a text where it says that was their intent to to opalumai him, to perish him. That's in Luke, I Mm. think, to destroy Mm -hmm. him. You're right. So no, this is... Yeah, their intentionality is quite clear. They want Jesus not just dead, but dead and gone. Yeah. And gone. Yeah. Yeah, And yeah, absolutely. So let's do this. I'm going to read verses three through five. Like you said, this, this part, Judas is very important because there's a lot of, 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 I would say bad theology and also, um, very, uh, we, we've, we've stricken a lot of consciences with Judas, uh, in, in the church ourselves are, you know, so forth. So we got to make sure that we are hearing it correctly and looking at it correctly as well. So verses three through five. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. This is very intentionally put here by the Holy Spirit to Matthew. And it's very important to look at it correctly. Um, Judas, uh, tell us about Judas and, and, and well, why this part this part is important in the Passion account. Well, uh, so here's the thing, and, and you already hinted at that. Th- this is unique to Matthew. Uh, of course, everybody mentions the fact that Judas betrays Jesus, but but Matthew is the only one that goes into detail about his remorse, uh, his trying to get things settled, uh, uh, and, and I think I don't really think. Matthew's story is so much about Judas. We, we got to be careful. Right. We don't put the focus. On it. okay. It's actually, again, about the chief priests and the elders, what they mm. were called to do and what they didn't do. But we'll get to that in a second, because there is an interesting thing here when the English says he changed his mind. Uh, and, and that's actually a good translation, because what we'd want to hear is that he repented. Right. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. you've, you've got three year. You're doing the three year series. And, and yes, we are. All yep. right. Mm-hmm. So you had this text not too long ago where Jesus says, right. if, if you don't repent, you will all likewise perish. Uh, and we would like to hear that word here, but Judas doesn't repent. Uh, it, it's it's more of a remorse. It's a sadness. And there's something lacking, and we're going to talk about what's lacking, because what's this is where it's really cool to us. Uh, because, see, we hear the word repent, and right away we think that's all it is. It's just being sad. Sorrow for your sin. That That's what we think. But we're going to mm-hmm. see, no, 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 that's, that's the half of it. It's not even the good half of repentance, <laughs> but it is part of it. But, but so, so that's, that's honest. He, he simply has remorse. But you see, here's the, here's the other thing that occurred to me. For some reason, we, 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 Peter, who came up the last time you did this, right? Did you do Peter yesterday? The story of Peter betraying Jesus? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so those are put in 
context together by Matthew. And I think we hear that and think, oh, well, Peter must have been the more moral person, right? Because, oh, Peter, you know, he doesn't go out and kill himself. <laughs> but but here's the thing. Judas has it so much, so much worse than Peter. Peter did a horrible, terrible thing, I'm sure. And he, we know he had remorse too, don't we? Because he weeps bitterly. He weeps mm -hmm. bitterly, it says. But no one actually knows what Peter did. None of his buddies were there to see him deny Jesus. Uh, Jesus obviously knows, but Jesus actually wasn't an eyewitness of him denying him Jesus. But Judas, everyone knows. See? All the disciples, Jesus knows. He was right out there in the open. And he goes back to the guys. He thinks, at least I'll get some comfort from these guys because I was working for them. I did what they wanted. And he gets absolutely right. nothing from them. What do we care? You do something about it, see? Um, and so I think the main point here, and, and I'm going to send out a lesson to all the clergy who might be listening to us right now, you included. Man, if you don't tell people about Jesus' love and forgiveness this week, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble. Because, see, that's what these guys were called by God to do. They were called to be the instruments of God's mercy. They were the ones that should say, okay, we have a sacrifice for this. There are things that need to be done about your sin. And for them to just coldly say, what is that to us? You tend to it. Oh, man. If, if a pastor ever does that to a, a sinner who is remorseful, well, you know what the Bible says? God wouldn't do that, right? He wouldn't break a, a dimly burning wick. He wouldn't blow out a, oh, no, he wouldn't blow out a dimly burning wick. He wouldn't break a bruised reed. Um, so, and, and I'm not trying to make, get pastors feel guilty because obviously an individual salvation is not dependent upon what we do. Thank God for that. Mm -hmm. Right, Brady? <laughs> if, if I think of all the times that I messed up and failed and thought someone was going to go to hell because I messed up and failed, oh man, that would be a sad uh, church we would be in. But it is a reminder that that when people are, are remorseful, we, we can't say the law and move them to despair. We have to let them know that there is a God of mercy and forgiveness. It's funny as you as you say that, um, it, it we see that the shoe never, the other shoe does not drop in yeah. this situation. You know, there definitely is not a, uh, uh, there's not, there's not contrition and faith yeah. Which is, you know, the faith portion is what we do not see in Judas, which is we leave that to the Lord ultimately. All this we just we give it to God and say, God, you know with Judas, but we definitely do not see what Jesus commands of us, which is repentance and sorrow and faith that was there. So we leave that to the Lord. And the other shoe does not drop because he is there there's I mean, he feels terrible. And, and like you said, there's no forgiveness there. There's no grace there, you know, just deal with this yourself. And, um, and they, they, <laughs> he, 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 he throws down the silver, but he has there, he, his conscience is not clear no, whatsoever. No. And that's something where as a church, as Christians, we see this passion week, that fullness of the gospel, the, the, the cleansing of our consciences to say that by his wounds, we are healed. No question, you know, stricken and smitten and afflicted. Uh, that is not just something that we grieve because while our sin put him there, but to remember his love kept him up there. And that's exactly what we receive in Christ. And so may we be that because we're not the chief priests. We are followers of Christ who shows us exactly what we ought to proclaim. So that that bring that, that really pretty much puts that canopy over this whole situation with him 
where it is uh, with Judas, I would say, is, you know what? He did not have repentance. So, Lord, you, <laughs> we give that to you. And at the same time, we see the distinction of what it is to be in Christ and what we do do as his church. Your thoughts? So here's what it says in the Augsburg Confession. Now, properly mm. speaking, true repentance is nothing else than to have contrition and sorrow or tear about sin. Okay? So, yeah, that's, that's part of it. Nobody's denying that. But here's what I like. It says, and yet at the same time, I love that, at the same time, to believe yeah. in the gospel and absolution that sin is forgiven and grace is obtained through Christ, such faith in turn comforts the heart and puts it at peace. So you're absolutely right. I hope people listening to us are uncomfortable about their sins. They are experiencing remorse. Mm. Uh, mm. If you if you slap somebody, you should be sad about that. <laughs> no names will be mentioned. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but you know, see, that's the thing. And yet at the same time, we know, yeah, but God loves us. God forgives us. I, 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 I didn't like that I did. I don't want to do it again. God keep me from that, but but also to have that, I love that, comforts the heart and puts it at peace. And obviously, Judas doesn't have that at this point, and he doesn't have it because the men who were given the call didn't give him the word of forgiveness that they should have, see? And so I think that's Matthew's point. This is a call to all those who've been given responsibility by God, and and to all of us as people, because all of us have people come to us and want forgiveness. You don't have to be a pastor, right? The mutual consolation of the brethren. That's the other phrase that this confession uses that I just love, because it reminds us we all are in situations where we can extend God's mercy and forgiveness, and God help us to do that, because that's what people need to do, because that's what makes the difference. It's not the remorse. That in itself is nothing. But it's the remorse along with that that uh, comfort of the gospel and absolution and forgiveness. Um, and so real quick then, because let's get this out of the way. Uh, this passage has nothing to do about suicide. Uh, I, I think uh, uh, that's the danger. Oh, Judas committed suicide. He must have gone to hell. And uh, we, as you said, we, we don't know what happened to Judas. We don't know. I wish we did. But that's the way it is with most people. Well, actually, with everybody. We don't really know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a funeral, and I'm sure people are going to talk about it. You maybe. You can come and, and speak at my funeral, Brady, and tell everybody what a nice guy I was. But no <laughs> one knows for sure. that. Well, I, actually, we didn't know for sure. That's not why I'm going to heaven. Trust me. Believe you right. me. If that was a matter, there's a lot of other things that would have to be mentioned that don't want to be mentioned at funerals. And no, so it's not about any works, but it is again about this. And I would like to think, okay, and again, I, I'm not saying this is true, Brady, because I have no word of God. But I'm thinking, man, Judas must have heard Jesus preach about grace. He must have seen Jesus minister to the sinners. He must have heard Jesus say, you are forgiven. And I'm just kind of hoping that even as as death, as his life began to leave him, that maybe those thoughts crossed his mind and he was saved. Uh, you know, there's at least one other guy in the story that that's exactly what happened to him, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he didn't have the advantage of a Judas of hearing the preaching of Christ for three years. He just got one quick mini sermon and it was enough. So anyway, that's just just my thought. And as we look at that, it's always good to see it through that lens because there has been, and I have to be only about a minute here before our yeah. break, is is there has been, I know this my first few years in ministry, I heard people quote a number of times, well, the only unforgivable sin is suicide. Yeah. 
And and I was I was just shocked by that. I I never heard that before. I never thought through that. And I know in the history of the church, it is a struggle. I mean, let's be honest, it's a big struggle when someone commits suicide and where they are in faith, because it is, you know, it's it's a it's it's a sin, like to 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 kill yourself is is a sin. And so the what do you do with that? Um, but at the same time, that it, it's it's very much so uh, always like whether the person died na- natural causes or in that situation, it still is the cross by which saves. Yeah. And so we we leave that to the Lord, and we don't want to you know cause any we we don't want to go to funerals and just have how nice a guy he is. Amen. Because Lord have mercy. The, the someone in the crowd is always going to say, yeah, but you know you didn't really know the real John. You didn't really <laughs> know okay. the real exactly. Brady. <laughs> Anyways, but John, we need to take our break right now. (laughs) We are studying Matthew 27 with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew 27 with Pastor John Lekomsky. And so far, we've gone through verse 5. So here's what I want to do, Pastor, is I want to read verses 6 through 10, because that kind of brings us even more so, you know, kind of um, peels back even more so the understanding of those chief priests and uh, gives us a little more full understanding of of where they were at. So I, I might as well ask you, is that okay? No. <laughs> you knew that, didn't you? No, I just have to say, so because it, it's what you, you talked about before, this whole business about suicide uh, being the unforgivable sin because, well, that, well that's a sin and, and, and you sinned and you died. My goodness, if we died because we were, if we, we went to hell because we were sinners, then we're all going to go to hell because we're still right. sinners. No matter when you die, there's going to be sin there that will not. But of course, again, as you keep emphasizing, I have a, there's forgiveness of sins. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, and again, we don't know. We don't know about Judas, uh, but that's okay because it's not for us to know. Uh, we don't need to know that. We just need to know for ourselves that even if I die in a fiery car wreck and I'm saying some terrible curse of God as as, as the fires consume me, that no, that's not going to send me to hell because hopefully at the same time I realize, at the same time, I love that phrase from the convention, at the same time I know, oh God, I shouldn't be saying these things, but I know you love and you forgive me for this as you've done many others. All right, I'm going to shut up. Yeah, we do need to read. <laughs> <laughs> okay, verses, verses 6 through 10, 6 through 10. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful for not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and brought with them the potter's bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what is spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed them. Now, pastors, we look at this. It, it, 
it, it, it's I want to emphasize this point right away is that is that we and they specific in this text they are kind of like okay that's in that's okay yeah but that's in that's wrong so all of a sudden it was okay to give the 30 pieces of silver to turn a guy in but in order to take the money back that would be bad yeah that would be bad <laughs> so right. it's just a, a back and forth that we all have to be careful about in our own lives it's like well that sin's a big deal but that sin's not as big of a deal we have to be careful about that but tell us about tell us more about the chief priest oh, as we oh brady and thank you thank you man that that if, if the spirit is at work that he was at work at that comment you made because mm -hmm. that's the problem see we can look at these these uh, priests and 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 uh, 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 what did we have there? Priests and elders, and say, "Oh man, weren't they a nasty, wicked bunch?" And they were, they were. But but you're right. Of course, the point is is. Yeah, and we do a lot of the same things, don't we? There's some things that really bug us, and other things. Well, yeah, maybe that's not, but that's okay for me. <laughs> you know, that right, that sin wasn't right. that bad. Oh, but your sin, on the other hand, yeah. So you're right. But we have an illustration in the extreme here is what we all experience, and so I appreciate that insight. Um, I also love it when I learn stuff, uh, and, and yeah. I learn something. So it's a field of for the strangers. It says right, a burial place for strangers. And and I don't know why the English uses strangers there, because the word actually means foreigners. It's foreigners. So, uh. so this is a Gentile story again. Isn't that crazy? So because of the death of Jesus, now Gentiles are not only going to have eternal life, as, as we talked about, but they also have a burial place here on earth, too, provided by the Jews, by the, the Jews themselves. And, and mm. I can't help but thinking that Matthew was thinking about that. Jewish people, my people, think what's happened. This was all supposed to be yours, and now you, 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 we're giving the Gentiles the burial places, we're giving the Gentiles uh, forgiveness and eternal life, and it's supposed to be yours. Will you not wake up and see it belongs to you? So anyway, I thought that was, that was kind of an irony there, that it was going to be a burial place for Gentiles. Um, and now we got that whole fulfillment business, too. Uh, which definitely mm -hmm. makes you think. Well, because if I'm a Gentile, I don't, I don't know who the prophet Jeremiah is, so he's got to be thinking about his own people. But here's the cool thing that I want to share with you: this business about stuff being fulfilled. It's over and over again in the the uh, Gospel of Matthew. Unfortunately, you cannot see that Matthew uses two different words for fulfillment. That there is a word that he uses that means, yeah, it happened. And God was aware of it, but God wasn't the mover of that. And that's that's the case in point here. Uh, did God want them to treat Judas so coldly? Uh, did God want them to be so hypocritical? Uh, and so, oh, we can't put this in the treasury. We got to buy. No, no, God didn't want that at all. It was predicted. It was the fulfillment of Scripture. There's no doubt about that. But there's another word, or actually it's the same word, but the way he uses it, where it says, yeah, this was what God wanted. So, so I'll give you an example going back to the beginning. Uh, remember where Herod kills the, the babies? Um, and Matthew mm -hmm. tells us, yeah, that, that was a fulfillment of Scripture. But, but he uses, uh, I could get technical here, he uses the indic indicative form for those. Mm -hmm. we, we got people out there that love English. Uh, and, and so it means it just was. It happened. That's what Herod did. Uh, it was predicted. It's not what God wanted. But on the other hand, when they flee, when the angel comes to say, get out of Bethlehem, take take the, your, your wife and child, go to Egypt. And again, we have fulfilled there. 
But there it's in what we call the subjunctive form. Uh, uh, but the point is, is that was what God wanted. See, he was going to protect his son. Um, so I, I wish there was some way the English translation could show it that because it is important to know just because it fulfills the scripture doesn't mean that's how God uh, God allowed it, I think would probably be a better way of saying it. He did mm-hmm. allow it. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, everything's uh, the will of God. In fact, all of this is the will of God for our salvation. But it mm-hmm. is interesting how Matthew handles that, uh, that there are some things that, yep, that's what the scripture said was going to take place. And there are other things. Oh, no, no, this is exactly the way God wanted it to happen. Um, so anyway, I throw that out for the listeners. I love it. I love it. And and reminder, if you have any questions on that, the Greek uh, and everything that Pastor has really laid out for us beautifully, send us an email on that because it is it is so important to be able to see how those words um, work and to translate it into English can be quite challenging. And here, uh, it's very clear that this fulfillment language, because we can easily see this as oh, well, if Pilate just would have done this, or yeah, if Judas yeah. just would have done this, but it was all in God's time and in his hands and all for the sake of our salvation, which is hard to grasp our head around, um, but at the same time, it is comforting because it it worked the way that God needed it to work for our forgiveness, as Pastor said so well. So, so Brady, here's the thing, man, because you, know, you got you got my mind working. Uh, um <laughs> Everything. You're right. Absolutely everything. You take the most evil, wicked thing, and there's horrible things going on right now uh, over in the Ukraine. Uh, But everything, you're right. Everything God is using. But that doesn't mean everything is good. No, no, no. But see, that's what we don't understand. Because we, we, we like to think like like the Greeks think, where you got the power of good and you got the power of evil. And and that's a very popular cultural understanding, yin and yang, right? You got good and you got evil, and they're constantly fighting each other. Whereas the, the biblical picture is nope, you got God. He's absolutely in control. And 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 he lets evil do its thing because he can take that evil thing and actually make it to be the best thing in the world. It's not a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but he is so powerful. He can take the evil and he actually make it become a super great blessing. All right. And we don't comprehend that because we spend most of our prayers saying, God, deliver us from evil, which isn't a bad thing to pray. Although I would point out to you, it's the last thing we pray. Okay, Mm -hmm. because the fact of the matter is we may need a lot of evil in our lives for us to have faith and salvation and forgiveness that may play a good role in our our lives. In the end, of course, we want to be delivered, but only at the end. Um, So anyway, that's just my my thoughts about that. And we see that in these fulfillment passages just because it says it was fulfilled. That doesn't mean that that's what God wanted, but it does mean God was going to take that evil intent of men and make it for a blessing. And there is no greater example than that, than the suffering and death of his son, Jesus. Oh, man, Brady. Because what did Jesus say when Peter drew out his sword? Uh, P- Peter, he said, Peter, you know, the scriptures must be fulfilled, buddy. <laughs> right, right. No, no, I know this is... He says it all the time. Right. He says it all the time throughout the Passion account, which has been very, very eye-opening for me, is that this is done so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And so, and then it brings us back to, I did not come to abolish the law, but to yeah. fulfill them. Yeah. And so this is just wonderful 
uh, even what do you say? Uh, that Peter's denial is a fulfillment of what Jesus' exactly. prophecy was. Exactly. And so it's this constant fulfillment, it, connecting the dots in a way that if we had even a, a small glimpse of this in our world, that this person said this and it happened. This th- person said this and it happened. Now, if it happens once or twice or a politician says this and it happens, we're kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. But it happens over and over and over again. And the ultimate end of it is the forgiveness of sins. I mean, how can we not want this great gift? I mean, it's just over and over and connects the dots and we cannot help but see it's all about the cross. And, so, yeah, And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Peter because it's a perfect example. Peter was a guy who if he kept on his present path, he would be going to hell because Peter was totally confident in himself, right? Oh, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I'm the guy who will go to prison and die for you. And so Jesus says, all right, Peter, I'm going to let the devil have his way with you, but only so you can understand that you are a damned sinner, Peter. Understand, I don't like this. I don't want to put you through this, but that's what's necessary so I can then turn around to you and say, feed my sheep, Peter. And now you're not going to feed him as some cocky guy who thinks, oh man, I'm such a good disciple. But you will feed them knowing I'm a poor, miserable sinner just like they are. And guess what? There it is back to the confessions. I believe that I have the forgiveness of sins in Christ and my heart Mm -hmm is comforted, and I am at peace. So understand that. Uh, if you're de- dealing with struggles right now, anybody listen to us, there is no evil intent in that. Oh, the devil has all the evil intentions in the world. But God's yeah. going to deliver you from that thing, even as he has delivered his son Jesus from suffering. Uh, this is Romans 8. Yeah. And we know that for those that who love God, all things work together for good. Yeah. It doesn't say that it's all good no. things. Oh, yeah. For those who are called according to his purpose, meaning that whatever happens, God is working through it yep. um, because he is the one who is good. And that's good for us to be able to preach, not always understand, um, but to preach and to say to ourselves and to others, because God's going to work through this. And as he does in the cross. I mean, that's that's where we have that hope is yep. that he worked good through this, uh, did work good through Joseph, what you intended for evil, God has made for good. That is what we cling to. So, Pastor, we only have 15 minutes left, so we need to keep plowing through this. Verses 11 through 14. Now, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge so that the governor was greatly amazed. And, and I tell you what, I, I'm not going to have much to say about this because you're going to get Pontius Pilate uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. I, it is interesting that that Jesus will answer the governor with his initial question because the governor has the authority given him by God, right? Uh, Paul yeah. and the Romans. So there is no authority except established. And yet you will also notice he gives no answer again to the chief priests and elders. They are again. Uh, there they are again. Because they they don't have any authority. Well, they had authority, and they didn't exercise it, did it? Because Judas came to them. They needed to exercise their authority as the uh, mediators for God, the ones who show the way to have a reconciliation, redemption. So, nope, you didn't exercise your authority, so I'm not going to even show you enough respect to even answer your charges, which, of course, as we said at the beginning, are all trumped up anyway. And it's another fulfillment of... um 
Isaiah 53 once again. I, oh, I'm yeah. saying that a lot this week, but it is Isaiah 53, you know, where he did not open his mouth. Yep. And so once again, we not only see this as a factual um, reality, like, oh, wow, that fills that. Therefore, we can prove that the Bible is true, which is a good way for apologetically for us to live, but also just shows what kind of king he is. He's not a king like you and I would be a king, um, where we would just fight back all the time as if we need to prove yeah. something. Jesus knows his mission. He knows his goal. He knows the Father's will, and he knows why he's doing it out of love for his people. So why does he need to speak? Um, he doesn't, because the cross will do all the talking for them and forevermore. Anything else, Pastor? Oh, no, that that's a great, that's a great, there's your sermon right there. The cross does all the talking. That's the a great cross. sermon. Oh, yep, yep. man. Yep. Oh, I'm going to, oh, Good Friday has changed now. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> does all the, I even said it and I'm you amazed. You did it. Sam, yeah, it is. Holy it's Spirit. Great, yeah. That's your theme right there. <laughs> okay, very good. All right, let's keep going here. Um, let's see here. We're in verse 15. I'll go through 19. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release the crowd, any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had, they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. So we, now I want to go ahead. Keep going. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. So we're actually doing Barabbas. If you want to hear more about that uh, this Saturday uh, on wrestling with the basics, oh, yeah. that that's mm -hmm. our topic. Go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it's it's interesting here that. Um, uh, there, there, there's a few things he's thinking in his mind. Okay. I got to figure it out. I want to have a clear conscience in this. Yep. This guy obviously is only put here because of jealousy. That's the only reason for it. Here's Barabbas and he's just probably going to steal a candy bar and we'll put him right back in prison anyways. And so <laughs> it's not a really big deal. All of this is not a big deal, but it's obvious that guy's good. This guy's bad. And we don't want that guy stealing from us anymore. So we'll just send that guy out again and we're all good to go. And then, and then you get this kind of like just insertion. And I remember seeing this in the movie, the past of the Christ, where all of a sudden you have his wife get in this. And his wife says, hey, don't don't mess with that righteous guy because, you know, he had I had a bad dream about him. And it's like, oh, my gosh, now my wife's in this. <laughs> what am I doing? So I, I sympathize with Pilate as a political leader. Like you said, this is God has called him to this position. And there's just so many moving parts. So, Pastor, how would you break some of this down? There's a lot. Well, there. the thing is, as we, we mentioned, see, the Gentiles, are they're, they're coming out good. The, the wife, he calls him a righteous <laughs> man, even. Uh, Pilate right? understands yeah, he's right. not guilty. Although, please understand, the Gentiles are not being let off the hook. Because what he should have done, of course, as a righteous leader, is he should have said, well, I'm going to free this guy. I don't care what you say. And, of course, you'll deal with that uh, tomorrow, too. But but so, no. So we're not saying that he was without sin. In fact, his sin's kind of terrible, too. If you, if you know what's right and then you don't do it, honestly, how could you not call that a sin? And that's the thing. They all know what's right, don't they? The, 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 the uh, chief priests and the elders, they know what's right, and they're still doing what's wrong. And Pilate knows what's right, and yet he's still doing wrong, even though his wife was bugging him. That should right. condemn you right there, that your wife tells you and you didn't do what your wife told you. 
(laughs) That has to be a sin, doesn't it, Brady? If you don't listen (laughs) to your wife. Um, The thing, though, that we need to point out here is that uh, Matthew calls him a notorious prisoner. And I really think this is evidence that Matthew must have written real early that it couldn't have been too long after these things happened that Matthew wrote, because the word notorious actually, it, 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 literally in the Greek, it simply means someone that's well-known. So it could be used of Abraham Lincoln, or it could be used of uh, uh, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> it just means that right. everyone knew them. So, th- so the fact that it's just assumed that Barabbas must be a bad guy, a notorious, infamous maybe would be the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, well, the, everyone must have known Barabbas. And, and if you read the other Gospels, he, he's not a good guy. All right. Uh, he's the kind of guy that uh, we've seen so many riots. Uh, and in 40, in my 69 years of life, I've seen all kinds of riots. And, you know, there are people that go out and they want to have a peaceful protest. Right. They really have a good cause. But then there's also the guys that are there, uh, the bad actors. We have a word for them, bad actors who are just there because they like violence. They like to beat people up. They like to steal TVs. And that's Barabbas. In fact, John calls him a robber. And you must remember that John says, I'm a good shepherd. All these other guys are robbers who come only to kill and steal Mm. and destroy. Uh, and of course, we have Luke's story of the uh, Good Samaritan. And again, we got the same word there, a robber. And uh, again, what do they do? They beat you up and leave you dead. So they don't just rob you, which would be bad enough, but they're the kind of people that rob you and then still beat you up. So just so you understand that no one wants Barabbas released. Okay. Right. And they all knew that. Everyone would have mm-hmm. known that when Matthew wrote. And that, that's a good good distinction. Uh, we don't know much about it, but if he's that well-known, then yeah. it's a clear case where you have Jesus there, and you got Barabbas there, and and you, the, once again, go back to the movie, but it's just this clear case of there's a guy, submission, submitted to everything they've done, not angry at all, and Barabbas comes out, and he's like the just this unkept up, you know, multiple tooth missing, clearly <laughs> a show off type of guy that nobody would want on like going into your store. Yeah. And and you're like, okay, which one are you going to choose? And they're like, oh, we'll take Barabbas and have him back in the community. And you're like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? And it, it truly is just showing us um, the sinful heart of where we can't even see the clear reality of our of that sinfulness and even our own when perfection is standing right before us and the love of God is is manifested, um, dwelling among us, as John 1 tells us as well. And, and yet we see the mercy of God. Because guess what? Yeah. This guy mm-hmm. Barabbas, that we'd all say, just put him in prison and keep him there for the rest of his life. He's going to be released because of Jesus Christ. And of course, again, we don't know how it goes with Barabbas. But I would like to think that as there's a movie about it, that that maybe he'll come to faith someday. At least he has the opportunity to do that. And then the other thing I'm thinking about, think about that thief that hangs next to Jesus. He would have gone to hell, except that Jesus is hanging on the cross rather than Barabbas, 
right? If they crucified Barabbas, well, then there's nobody there to say, today you'll be with me in paradise. So again, can you see that this is evil, wicked stuff, and yet somehow God is using it for good, for grace, for mercy, even though the intent of these chief priests and elders has nothing to do with God's love or mercy, you're right, and has Mm. everything to do with their own evil, wicked intentions. But isn't God so great? He can take men like the priests and the elders and still bring people to salvation, perhaps Barabbas, and certainly uh, the thief that will hang next to Jesus on the cross. And could I share it? Because I know we're running out of time, because there's one other thing that you got to know that's so cool about this, because you know, Matthew just hammers these chief priests and these elders. When you're done reading Matthew, you say, man, those were some nasty guys. And guess what we were told in the book of Acts? Some of those same guys came to faith. Isn't that incredible? Why would God even give a a damn, may I say, about these people? But he does. He doesn't want these people to perish either. Yeah, it's just remarkable. You just I don't think we can really begin to grasp the, the totality of God's grace and mercy, but I'm sure I'm glad that that is the kind of God he is. Well, let's continue to hear more of that, 20 through 23. We have about four minutes okay. left in our time, 20 to 23. Now, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want to me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. (laughs) And Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? And they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. It it, kind of reminds me a little bit here, Pastor, of of when we don't have a good argument, therefore we just yell louder. And it's going to... Going to get better if we just yell louder at you. So, what? What? Tell what are your thoughts? Well, just one one quick thing here because I, th- I think people get confused because it was that few days ago they're all shouting Hosanna, Hosanna, and now right. now. Yeah. But but you have to understand we got two totally different crowds. The people who were shouting Hosanna were the pilgrims. They were the pilgrims from up north, from Galilee, the people to whom Jesus had ministered and done miracles for three years. They're all excited. They're all enthused about Jesus. Uh, They're shouting Hosanna. But these guys are all sleeping now. The Galileans, they're in bed. They have no idea what's going on. This has all been done in secret. So this is the people from Jerusalem. This is the priests and the elders and their sycophants uh, and their hangers-on. So you got it. That's that's what you got this crowd. So forget about the people shouting Hosanna. This is a totally different group. But but you're absolutely right. How many times has God tried to bring them to repentance here, even using yeah, Pilate yeah. to bring them to repentance? But they refuse, and, and that's okay because Jesus has to die. Right? Yeah. It's got to happen. Yeah. Okay, and and see the thing we don't understand because if it was me, I'd say, well, you guys are all going to go to hell. I understand it had to happen, and my son had to die for the sins of the world. But you guys who shouted crucify, you're all going to go to hell. And yet we know for a fact that's not true, because Jesus from the cross is going to pray, Father, forgive them. Right? Mm. Yeah. So that's the thing we need to realize, that, that God wants these people to be saved. And that's a great comfort to me, because then I can pretty well sure that with all of my failings, uh, and all the times I have sorrowed over my sin. No, he he wants to forgive me too, and he has. He has. He doesn't just want to, but but he has. As we talked about, uh, sorrow and faith, yeah. you know, contrition, um, and faith and trust. 
that our Lord is a gracious and giving God. And that's what we see today. And I, I do see this proclamation that I find interesting that throughout, and we're going to have more of this tomorrow with, uh, with, with Pastor Shank, is this, the, the proclamation of the right words, yeah. um, and, but, but, but a lack of faith. And Pontius Pilate kind of just puts me a little bit on, I'm not sure what to do with him, but I do find it interesting that he says, uh, verse uh, verse 17, uh, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? Ah. And then he says later, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And so here is here is the Lord using this guy to proclaim the Messiah. And he does it, obviously, <laughs> when he makes sure that it says king of the Jews and it, that it is not say he said he was king of the Jews on top of the cross, that 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 proclamation was happening. And like you said, that the Holy Spirit works through that, even to the worst of sinners. And and there it is. The strong proclamation of Christ is, even if it wasn't necessarily done, uh, proclaimed in faith. And that's, I don't know, throughout, it's just this wonderful message of who Jesus really is. And, um, and the thing is, at this point, we do not have the proclamation of the gospel because the gospel is not yet fulfilled. You will not right, be able to right. fully proclaim the gospel until Jesus Christ dies and rises mm. again. And But I like the fact that you pointed that out. I think, I, and you know, there is that tradition that Pilate and his wife do become believers, that they do become mm. Christians. And, and uh, uh, again, I think it's interesting that the Bible doesn't tell us all those stories, but it does tell us the story about the priests. It does tell us that many of the priests will come right. to faith. Uh, mm. um, and I, I, I think that's the tension, again, that we really don't know, and we, we shouldn't care. We just need to know Jesus. That's all we need to know, and know that he mm. is our Savior. He is our Christ. He is for us, as you said early, Brady. Pastor, we have 30 seconds left in our time. How would you, uh, well, how would you look at our text and encourage our listeners this morning? I, I just, I, again, don't don't say, oh, those are evil, wicked people. Say, oh, those are evil, wicked people, and I'm a sinner too. And isn't it remarkable what Jesus Christ does for sinners? He did it for them, and he has certainly done it for me, so that we might be sorrowful for sin, and yet at the same time, know that our sins are forgiven. Isn't that a beautiful definition of repentance? Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us God's strong word this holy week from Matthew 27. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful holy week, and thank you for bringing us his gifts. I think we lost him. Okay, no. I'm your host, Brady. <laughs> You're not there. Come on well, now. The Thank you for up. being on. I thought that was the end of it. Yeah. No, Brady, hey, blessings. My prayers for you as you preach this gospel that we've been talking about to your people during Holy Week. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.